But this morning, I'd like to take a little quiz. Here are the names of some songs that most of them were popular in my day, so that cuts out half the audience, I realize. <laughs> but uh, see if you can uh, name the artist who made these songs. They may not have written them, but they at least recorded them. Dream On. Oh my gosh, everybody did that one. Sweet dreams are made of these. Man, y'all are good. Wildest dreams. I had to look at this one up. David, did you say Taylor? That's it. That was good. All right, Nisi, you'll know this one. Oh, you're making my dreams come true. All notes, that's it, yeah. All right, let's go back to 1969. The monkeys, there you go. And even earlier, in the early 60s, Everly Brothers, all I have to do is dream. So today in our series, we're talking about summer vacation and your dream vacation. What is your dream vacation? What vacation would be at the very top of your bucket list? That's a fun question to consider, but maybe an even more important question about dreams is this. What is your dream for you? What's your dream for our country? What is your dream for our planet and the world? What if we lived in a world without dreams? What about that guy who invented Pringles? What if he never saw a tennis ball can and thought, I ought to put potato chips in there? Isn't our world better because somebody had a dream? But I can't think of dreams without thinking, obviously, of Dr. King. It was one of the biggest speeches of his career. Dr. King was already widely recognized as the spiritual leader behind the civil rights movement. And the podium that was set up in front of the Lincoln Memorial would become his bulliest pulpit ever. 250,000 people gathered in our capital city to join the march for freedom and um, work and jobs. The march was co-organized by the NAACP and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference in the eyes of the nation were on the keynote speaker. Dr. King had prepared this text so very carefully. He had asked for suggestions from his advisors. He had written multiple drafts, which is kind of unusual for Dr. King. He normally spoke extemporaneously from a few notes that he had jotted down. But on this occasion, the notes that he had in his hand on that August day just weren't quite what he wanted them to be. The most famous line of the speech, I have a dream, was not even in his notes. Dr. King was having trouble getting going. Speakers experience that sometime. And he was having a hard time connecting with his audience. 
Mahalia Jackson, the gospel singer, was sitting in the crowd close to him, and she shouted out to him these words, Tell them about the dream, Martin. Because in previous speeches, Dr. King had talked about the dream. And he followed the advice of that gospel singer. And he, he began that beautiful riff on I Got a Dream. And it was powerful, and it was memorable. And I don't know if anyone in the United States who does not know the line, I've got a dream. Just let us listen and see just an excerpt of his dream in one of the most famous and most popular dreams that Martin Luther King Jr. had. Take a look. Even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I just can't hear that. I've heard it multiple times throughout my life without crying, but it didn't take much anyway to make me cry. But it's moving, isn't it? If there's any doubt about the civil rights movement having a spiritual core or that Dr. King was motivated by a sense of justice that he gleaned from Scripture, then just take a look at what he said later on. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Prophet King was quoting another prophet, a Hebrew prophet by the name of Isaiah, whose words on the screen are recorded in chapter 40, verses 4 and 5. In the waning days of the 20th century, about 130 scholars of public speaking began to look at all the speeches of the 20th century to see which one was the most significant, and without exception almost, I have a dream. They said it was the most significant speech in the 20th century. It even beat out President Kennedy's do uh, ask not what you can do for your country, but, you know, I, I, I messed that up. That's the drugs talking. <laughs> and uh, there's no telling what I'm going to say today. I'm so high. <laughs> and um, President Kennedy recognized the power of this speech. And uh, depending on who tells the story, who reads whatever story is being told about President Kennedy's response to this, uh, to this speech. He either said about Martin Luther King, he's damn good, or that is a good speech. I think he said the first one, really. Not everybody thought it was a good speech. There was an FBI agent 
whose name was William Sullivan. He was the head of the Bureau's domestic spy organization, part of the FBI. And he wrote in a memo to Director J. Edgar Hoover, in the light of King's powerful demagogic speech yesterday, he stands head and shoulders above all other Negro leaders put together when it comes to influencing great masses of Negroes. We must mark him now, if we have not done so before, as the most dangerous Negro of the future in this nation from the standpoint of communism, the Negro, and national security. It just turns my stomach. Makes me so sad. Yeah, you're right, it's the wrong side of history. He was a dreamer, Dr. King. And dreamers are dangerous. Dreamers are disruptors. Dreamers challenge the way things are and they envision the way things could be, should be. Dreamers make nervous and uncomfortable those who are in power and those who are privileged. As a consequence, the dreams are often shut down by those in power. There's a biblical illustration of this very same thing in the story of Joseph, whose beginning of the story begins in Genesis chapter 37. Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph had a dream of a power shift, a redistribution of, of power in his family. And uh, chapter 37 talks about this power where the older brothers are going to serve the younger brother, him. And the chapter 37 focuses our attention upon the dreams of Joseph, but it also focuses our attention on the hatred of his brothers to this dreamer. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. If Joseph had dreamed about maintaining the status quo, it would have been fine. But Joseph didn't. He dreamed about turning things upside down. He dreamed about changing things. He dreamed about the younger ruling over the older. And his brothers pulled out their Hall and Oates album, and now y'all begin to sing, I can't go for that. No, no, no can do. And they just rejected any idea that there would be a redistribution of power. And so, they threw him in a pit. That's what happens to dreamers who threaten the establishment, who threaten the powers that be, and who make the marginalized the privileged. Jesus was very much a dreamer. He was a doer. But he's left it so much in our hands to do, to fulfill his dream. Jesus was a guy who came onto the scene and turned things upside down. His entire 
value system was upside down to the one of the culture. And the entire way that he was setting up a kingdom, which was terminology that fit that culture very well, was upside down. You remember some of the things that Jesus said. He said, he said like, the first will be last. If you're first in line now, in God's kingdom, you're going to be last. And the last are going to be first. Wow. He said, the meek will inherit the earth. Maybe you all remember Luke chapter 1 when Mary was visited by the angel Gabriel about the coming Messiah, and she broke out in song. It was a great musical. And uh, that's what happens after a big scene. There's a, there's a song. And she broke out in song, and one of the lines of the song was that God will bring down the rich and the powerful from their high places and will exalt the humble. And that was the entire focus of Jesus' ministry, upside down. He even said in the Sermon on the Mount that the kingdom of God belongs to the poor. Poor had nothing. Only the wealthy had any rights, had any powers, had any privilege. And Jesus said, no, in this, in this kingdom, the poor will have the kingdom of God. He also said, I love the story of Jesus and the children. And he talked to all those complaining adults out there about the time that Jesus was spending with these children. And he said, no, unless you become like these children, you won't even see the kingdom of God. Everything Jesus did was something that turned that culture upside down. And Joseph, because of his dream of turning things upside down, was thrown into a pit, sold into slavery. And we all know what happened to Jesus. The powers and the privileged didn't like Jesus' upside-down teaching. Now, those who, like Joseph, those who have dreams must often wait a long time the fulfillment of those dreams. Joseph had to wait about 30 years for his dreams to come true as the whiteboard slowly makes its way <laughs> magically. Thank you, Joey. Don't you love my mug? It's a, a Charlie Brown mug. It's got Pigpen and Linus and there's Sally and Snoopy. It says, happiness is a full tank. Is that not the truth? Yeah, that somebody else pays for. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, Joseph had to wait about 30 years for the upside-down dream to come true. We're still waiting for Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream to come true. We celebrated Juneteenth last Sunday, marking the end of slavery. It celebrates the end of slavery, but it acknowledged that the enslaved people of Texas had to wait two years from the time that Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation for them to get word about that. I'm sure it was just because of a slow horse. 
We're still waiting in the United States of America, a country that I love, for there to be freedom and justice for all. We're still waiting for that. It's a dream. It's up to us to not just be dreamers, but to be doers. So I want to ask you a question. I want to record your answers, okay? I always wanted to be a professor, so I love whiteboards. So you are uh, following in the footsteps of Dr. King. I have a dream, and on and on and on and on, he talked about his dream. So you have a dream. What's your dream? I'll write it up here. Equal rights for women. Equal rights. Okay. You're going to use big words, I know. What else? What do y'all dream? A Tom O'Ne. Equal rights for everyone. Oh, I'm going to put that right there. I like that. I don't know. That's just, you're just hoping for too much on that one, I think. But we could probably say for preachers, too, for that matter. I don't know. I like it, though. Whoever said that, yes. Why not dream about that? Honesty in our politicians, I'll just say our leaders. What's that? The world will live as one. Oh, man. You want to come up and sing that? Imagine. Hey, I'm 66 Tuesday. You have to repeat that. I'm losing my hearing, too. Free and equal health care. Okay, we could go on and on, couldn't we? Oh, yeah. I do love that story of Jesus' birth and the chorus of angels announcing peace on earth. Oh, ask more questions and consider other perspectives. Wow. More questions, more consideration. World free from hate. I run out of whiteboard, but not ideas. So just keep shouting them out if you want to. Affordable gas prices. <laughs> Affordable gas prices. Yeah. I get that. I have a dream that peace will replace war, love will replace hate. I have a dream that people will love the earth and take care of it. I have a dream that the ocean will be blue and the coral reef will be colorful. I have a dream where people are kind, where equality exists and racism is no more, 
where sexism is not a thing and we all respect each other's beliefs, where you could love who you love without judgment, where no one sleeps outside unless we're camping. (laughs) And I don't like to camp. Where you can go to a school or the mall or a church building and not be afraid of germs or guns. I have a dream that one day we will be guided not by a book, but by love. You know, one thing I don't read about Joseph and I don't read about Dr. King, Dr. King nor Joseph said, I have a complaint, but I have a dream. Dr. King very clearly and colorfully enumerated the injustices experienced by the marginalized at the hands of the powerful and the privileged. He didn't focus on those. Saying what is wrong is not enough to change the world. A dream for what is right will. Now, we don't need complainers. Probably have enough of those. We need dreamers who focus not on the bad things and how bad things are, but who focus on how good things can be. And we go out and make those things good. So Dr. King did not say, I have a complaint. He said, I have a dream. I have a dream. What is your dream? Whatever it is, dream big. (laughs) And let these words of another dreamer and doer inspire all of us. Every great dream begins with a dreamer Always remember, you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. Let's pray. That's a great song. Just turn it up. (laughs) Not a problem at all. It really is a good song. I love that. No, Queen's great. So, God, we do want to imagine a little bit today all these things that people in the room are sincerely imagining, envisioning, about which they are dreaming. Hear our dreams, see our dreams. And I so do believe that the dreams of the community are reflecting the dreams that you have for an equal and just community, a kingdom, an upside-down one from what we presently have. Help us not be discouraged when those dreams don't come true at 
in the time in which we have. Help us to pass the dreams on, not just to those beside us, but to those who will come after us. So that the dream will live on in the generations until that dream is fulfilled. And I ask this in the name of Jesus, the dreamer. May we have his dreams. May we be guided by his dreams. And help us be with us. Or rather, I should say, help us be aware of your presence that is with us. When because of our dreams, we may be thrown into a pit. In the name of Christ, in the name of love, in the name of God, whatever name best expresses that reality, I make this prayer. Amen.